All right, Operation London Bridge. It's hard to imagine, isn't it, that uh, one day, perhaps very soon, Queen Elizabeth II will pass away, just like her husband did very recently. Well, the book of Joshua opens with these words, after the death of Moses. And you get a sense for how that might have felt for the people of Israel, except I reckon it'd be even more uncertain for them, right? Because they were still a wandering, landless people, still waiting to go into the promised land. And so this chapter of Joshua, chapter 1, speaks to all of us when we feel the weight and the dread of uncertainty, when the securities of the past are gone, when the future hangs in the balance. Now, our world is in that situation, isn't it? COVID has brought it about. But it also may be closer to home. It may be something that you are struggling with personally, feeling uncertain, insecure. Now, Joshua opens with those words after the death of Moses, but the end of chapter 1, you'll remember, ends with these words, be strong and courageous. And so this may be the chapter that you really need to hear today. Why don't you pray and we'll get into it. Let's pray together. Father God, we pray that this amazing chapter of Joshua, as we dip into this book for the next few weeks, might really speak to us because we also feel the weight of uncertainty and the anxiety of not knowing what the future holds, whether globally or personally. Please speak to us today by your Spirit. Amen. All right, Moses is dead. Uh, The death of Moses is so world-shattering because for two generations of Israelites, he is all they've ever known. This is Moses who led them out of slavery in Egypt. This is Moses who gave them the Ten Commandments. This is Moses who stood between them and God, who was ready to destroy them because of their sin. And this was Moses who led them for 40 long years in the desert. This is Moses who alone could talk to God face to face. And it's through Moses that they related to God. And now Moses is dead. And there really isn't an equivalent that we could understand. Not even the death of Queen Elizabeth is even close to that. Moses is dead. But you see, at this critical time, God speaks. And this is what the Lord says. Have a look again at these opening verses. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. The Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Yeah, Moses may be dead. What does God say? Moses may be dead, but you still have my promises. You see, over 400 years earlier, God made promises to Israel's ancestor, Abraham. From Abraham would come this nation, and from this nation, God would, to this nation, God would give a land. And then through this nation, the whole fallen world after Eden 
would be blessed. Now, it's important to keep that bigger picture in mind, really important. See, this isn't just about the fortunes of one nation and their migration and possession of a piece of real estate. God's promises are actually about reversing everything that happened since the fall in Genesis chapter 3. It's a return to Eden. That's what it's about. And so that's why it's not just about the land. It's about this other theme that comes up in Joshua. It's the theme of rest. And you'll see it all throughout. Bit of a preview, but he says there in verse 13, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you after he said, The Lord your God will give you what? Rest by giving you this land. Rest was what God did on the seventh day after he created the universe. Rest is what was lost through the fall, through the sin of the man and the woman in the garden and the curse that followed. And rest is what would be restored to the whole world through these promises. And that's why, by the way, if you read much about the land uh, in Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, here in Joshua, it's also often talked about a land flowing with milk and honey. All right, whether or not you're lactose intolerant and you can't have milk or not, you, you get the picture, right? It's meant to be abundant. It's great. God's promises is to restore and renew what He wanted to a- achieve right at the beginning of creation. Right? This beautiful Eden-like land, and He would do that through uh, the Exodus and through Joshua. And so Joshua and the people, they needed to remember that, right? Moses might be dead. But God's promises go back hundreds of years before Moses. And God is stubbornly going to keep His word today. Now, this principle, of course, is the same now as it was then. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, you are those, we are those who live every day by the promises of God, are we not? Now, that's hard. Okay, it's hard. I admit it's very hard for me because delayed gratification is not something that's easy for us. We're, we're used to everything being kind of instant, right? So this is why it's hard that we live as followers of Jesus by the promises of God. And so I wonder which promises of God have you begun to lose sight of? What promises of God do you need to be reminded of? What do you need to kind of grab onto and cling onto again in your uncertainty? Or in your fight with sin? Or in your fear and anxiety? Now, if right now you can't really think of a promise and it's just slipping away, well, here is the greatest one of them all, and it's my next point. Look at verse 5. It's printed there. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Here's a promise you can go to the bank with. Moses may be dead, but God was still present with his people. Now, a little bit of background. When Moses was giving his final farewell speech before Moses died, he reminded Israel about the mammoth task facing them. And you got to see it in the kids' video a little bit. You know, those big giants tearing. By the way, Joshua looked pretty buff, didn't he? I don't imagine Joshua. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he was, but he looked like it. Anyway, um, God said this. um, Sorry, Moses said this. Here, Israel, you are now about to cross the Jordan to go into and dispossess nations greater and stronger than you with large cities that have walls up to the sky. The people are strong and tall. Anakites, you know about them and have heard it said, who can stand up against the Anakites? All right, from a human point of view, uh, this whole operation was military suicide, all right? This is a former slave nation would now hope to fight and take fortified cities 
that have got trained warriors and weapons and chariots, this slave nation would now do that? I mean, the odds are really not in their favor. But you see, God says, I will be with you. And no matter how terrible your odds, if you've got God, the odds completely change, all right? I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I mean, is there a more reassuring promise than that? It's not just a promise for Israel, is it? This is a promise for you if you're a follower of Jesus. It's a bit of an old poem. Some of you might know it. One night I had a dream. I dreamed I was walking along the beach with the Lord and across the sky flashed scenes from my life. For each scene, I noticed two sets of footprints. One belonged to me and the other to the Lord. When the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. I noticed that many times along the path of my life, there was only one set of footprints. I also noticed that it happened at the very lowest and saddest times in my life. This really bothered me, and I questioned the Lord about it. Lord, you said that once I decided to follow you, you would walk with me all the way. But I've noticed that during the most troublesome times in my life, there's only one set of footprints. I don't understand why in times when I needed you the most, you should leave me. The Lord replied, my precious, precious child, I love you. And I would never, ever leave you during your times of trial and suffering. When you saw only one set of footprints, it was because I was carrying you. God will never leave you or forsake you. Moses may be dead, but thirdly, there was God's word. You see, for Joshua... And for the whole people of Israel, there was an important condition. God would be with them and fight with them as long as they carefully obeyed everything. Right? Because Moses may be dead, but they still had the words of God. Look again at verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Haven't I commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now in the chapters following, we're going to see this played out. And we're going to said, said, spend the next few weeks in Joshua. Um, their success and God being with them depended on them keeping God's words to the letter. Now, if they did that, then even the walls of Jericho would tumble down. If they didn't do that, disaster and defeat would come on them. You see, God may be with them, but He is a holy God. That's another theme of Joshua. He is the mighty Lord. He is a sovereign king. He is not their genie in a bottle or their servant. Right? They serve Him, not the other way around. They were to keep the words of this law. Now, the word law, or, or the book of the law, they were to keep, it's often misunderstood. Um, 
Uh, the word translated as law there in English is the Hebrew word Torah. You might have heard the word Torah before. Um, Torah actually is broader than just law. It actually means instructions. See, for Joshua and Israel, it actually meant the whole of the first five books of our Bible. The five, five books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Those five books of Moses is what is referred to as the Torah which means it's actually not just what we would classify as laws or commandments. Like, you think of law, you only think Ten Commandments and the thou shalt and the thou shalt not, which is, you know, a big part of some of these books, but it's not all of them, is it? Because the first five books of the Bible is actually a story. There's a storyline from Genesis to Deuteronomy, right? This is about the creation, God making the world, the fall, sin entering the world. It's about the promises that God made, as I said, to Abraham and then to Isaac, his son, and to Jacob, his grandson. It's about how they ended up in Egypt. It's about how they were rescued from Egypt. It's about how they wandered for 40 years, how God sustained in the desert. That children's talk was great because it gave you all that background, right? But the point is, is that is all part of the book of the law. It's not just the legal stuff. It's actually a grand story. Now, it's really important for us to remember that that God's Word to us is first and foremost a story as well, a grand story. But for us, it's actually even grander because for us, it's not just five books of the Bible. It's 66 books of the Bible. It's a whole Bible. Uh, back then, God hadn't completed the story. For us, we get the whole story. God's grand plan and promises to save us through Jesus. It's now from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Now, what does this mean for us? It means this. Getting to know God's Word, obeying God's Word, finding security in God's Word when life is falling apart around us is much more than just finding a few inspirational verses. Now, don't get me wrong. I love inspirational verses. But it actually needs to be more than that. If God's Word is going to come through for you when you need it the most, you've got to find yourself in that big story. You've got to see where my story and your story fits into God's story. You need to understand suffering in light of God's greater promises and purposes for the universe. And when you align your life with God's grand story and live in sync with God's grand story, that's when you really are grabbing hold of the Word of God. Now, for some of you here, you may not really know how God's Word can help you in the ups and downs of everyday life, in the decisions and the uncertainties that you face. You know something about God's commands, but you don't know why. Why should I obey Him when that's not what the world says and the world's pressures and values just seem a lot more attractive? I don't get why He would command that. What I'm suggesting to you is this, that maybe you need to know God's Word better and by that, don't just know the isolated parts, the commandments, isolated uh, verses, inspirational verses. You need to get to know the bigger story. That might sound like a mammoth task, isn't it? Wow, does that mean I've got to read all of the Bible? Yes, I hope in time you do. But you know what? Here at SWEC, this is what we do. This is what we help you do. Get connected, go along to community groups, right? grab onto any conferences, anything you can get a hold of. If you don't know books and stuff, we're here to help you because we want you to know God's Word because it's so much more than just individual verses and commandments. It's actually finding meaning and purpose for your life as a part of the greater story. All right? But reach out. We'd love to help you. 
Okay, the rest of Joshua 1 from verse 10 onwards is actually the beginning of Joshua mobilizing the people to get ready for battle. And that's the fourth thing. Moses may be dead, but we still have the people of God. Um, Verses 12 to 18, we won't read again. It highlights a potential problem. What's the problem? Well, this problem started actually towards the end of Israel's desert wanderings when Moses was still alive. If you want the reference, it's uh, Numbers 32. Uh, There's 12 tribes of Israel. Two and a half of them, two and a half tribes, already set themselves up on the east side of the Jordan. That's the River Jordan. They had a few early conquests and victories under Moses. They thought, yep, we'll take this land on the east, two and a half tribes. But that nearly turned into a national crisis. Because would these two and a half tribes bother helping their brothers and sisters take the land on the west of the Jordan? Right, it's a national crisis. This is going to be a split. Are we only going to have nine and a half tribes now? Well, in Numbers 32, the national crisis, which was this close, is averted. I mean, yes, they would still join the fight. They said, no, we'll settle our family, women, children, livestock, but we would join you to fight to take the rest of the land west of the Jordan. Now, that's the background here in verses 12 to 18, read earlier. That plan is like reaffirmed, okay? This is exactly what we'll do. We'll follow through on it. Moses may be dead, but God's people, you see, are still united. Because only when they're united like that, under Joshua's leadership, would there be success. Um, Here at SWEC, a lot of times we apply God's Word. You might have noticed, you've been here for a while, even if you're kind of newish, you might have noticed uh, both from service leaders, song leaders, uh, preachers, we often speak especially to the struggling. And I think that's the right thing to do because so many of us are struggling or will struggle in so many ways. But of course, that's not always the case, right? I mean, there are always going to be many, some of you here who aren't at this moment in time struggling, and you maybe feel like, okay, I get it, but really, what's in it for me? I mean, how does this apply to me when things are actually going pretty well at the moment? Well, here's how it applies to you if you're in a season of little or no struggle. Like those two and a half tribes, don't forget the other nine and a half. Yeah? I mean, you might be settled and happy, but the rest of God's people, your spiritual family that I spoke about last week, we need you. And our battles aren't just physical, they're spiritual, they're invisible, but they're just as real, just as painful, with just as many casualties. And we need each other, don't we? So while you may not be battling depression, anxiety, sickness, unemployment, loss, pain, uncertainty... See it as your responsibility to help carry the burdens and join the fight of those who are. All right? Because unity is so important. All right, so Moses may be dead, but what do we still have? God's promises, God's presence, God's word, and God's people. So be strong and courageous. Now, you can't miss it, right? This is like the key phrase in the whole book. In fact, this chapter comes up four times, verse 6, verse 7, verse 9, verse 18. And that's God's word to us too. No matter what you're facing, God is saying to you, be strong, be courageous. Now, what do those words actually mean? Strong and courageous. I mean, we sort of get it, but let me help unpack it a little bit and help, help unpack it by looking at the opposites. What's the opposite of being strong and courageous? Well, verse 9 actually tells us. He says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Um, Another translation, I think the ESV says, do not be frightened or dismayed. 
the first word there, translated as afraid, it means to be terrified. Uh, when you're filled with anxiety and there's that dread at the pit of your stomach, it's what makes you want to run away. Okay, that's what that first word means. The second word there, it's to be deflated, to feel hopeless. Everything is bleak. First word makes you want to run away. The second one is when you want to fall apart. All right? Together, they're the kind of feelings we get when something hits us that's so overwhelming that you just can't cope. Like, for example, you get a sickness diagnosis for you or someone you love, and there's no guaranteed outcomes. It's how you feel, isn't it? Terrified, dismayed, deflated. I want to run away. I want to fall apart. Or when you're laid off work and there's no obvious employment prospects. And the truth is, we face greater changes in our world, don't we? We face a bleaker future. I don't think it's overstating it to say that since any generation since the Second World War, we face greater changes and a bleaker future. Uh, as Christians, we face a culture war, don't we? Where basic biblical beliefs are not just irrelevant, they're actually offensive to the world. And our youth, and we have a lot of youth at our church, overwhelmed with mental health epidemic that's never seen before in, in, in recorded history. Right? Fear and discouragement, dread and dismay, terror and hopelessness. I want to run away. I want to fall apart. If you haven't faced these feelings, you will. Yet in the midst of that, God says, be strong and courageous. He said it to Joshua and Israel as they faced insurmountable odds crossing the Jordan. And he says it to us, no matter what our situation be strong and courageous. You see, we have a better Joshua. In fact, the Hebrew name Joshua, who knows what the Greek name is? Joshua in Greek is what? Anyone? Real question, uh, real, question real answer. Jesus, there you go. Yeah, the Hebrew name Joshua is the Greek name Jesus. Remember that Israel's success depended on Joshua's absolute obedience to God's word, every single detail. And if they didn't, God would leave them and wouldn't be with them and he would judge them. And if you just read that and think, oh my goodness, we're stuffed. Because if I tried to obey God's word to the letter, I would fail spectacularly. I have failed spectacularly. What hope is there that God would remain with us? Well, thank God for the better Joshua, Jesus. Jesus kept God's word perfectly. He was the only one to do so. Even Joshua couldn't. He was strong and courageous. How? Remember the night before he was betrayed and crucified, he was in the garden, tears streaming down his face, sweating drops of blood, he wanted to run away. He wanted so much to fall apart instead of going to the cross. And yet he was strong and he was courageous and in perfect obedience, he went to the cross. Why? So he could die for our disobedience. And because of Jesus, the better Joshua, the battle against sin and Satan has already been won. Our promised land, which is the new creation, by the way, has already been secured. And Jesus will lead us all the way there. 
you're not yet a follower of Jesus, you're not sure, I wonder if Jesus is leading you. Because if you, if you don't know that, today you can switch sides. You can have Jesus who loves you, who died for you, who rose for you, lead you, give you meaning and purpose and hope and save you. Come and speak to me or the friend who brought you. Or maybe today you need to recommit to following this better Joshua. Now, before I end, I'll give you a spoiler alert. How does the book of Joshua end? It starts with one funeral. It ends with another funeral. Have a look there. Joshua 23. Joshua is about to die. He says, I am about to go to the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled not one has failed. Literally, is every word the Lord your God gave you, not one has fallen, which is why we've called this series, No Fallen Words. It's true then, and it's still true now. Let's get the band up. We're going to get ready to sing. Let me pray. Thank you, Jesus. You are the greater Joshua. We pray as we think about our world, our lives, or the lives of those around us who are struggling, Lord Jesus, by your death and victory and resurrection, and you leading us by your Holy Spirit, remind us that we can, in you, be strong and courageous. Help us together to hang on to those things for your glory. Amen.